the 1970s, our resident orca, Scully Choctana, was taken from her home in the Salish Sea and brought to Miami Sea Aquarium. She's been performing there for over 50 years, and the Sacred Lands Conservancy is working to bring our relative home. Throughout this episode, you'll hear clips from the Friends of Toki Present and Future Day of Listening Conference. The conference attendees included that of local leaders, community residents, and national organizations that are concerned for our relatives' health. You'll hear words from tribal leaders such as Raynell Morris, Tony Hilaire, Shirley Bob, and Charlene Alec. We hope you enjoy. Young and Indigenous Podcast is an outlet for people to know about Indigenous knowledge, storytelling, and history. Through our youthful journeys as Indigenous people, through these stories, young people and elders share their experiences with us. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. About to tell some red stories. Stay tuned. <laughs> Yay, podcast! friends and relatives. My name is Free Borsi. I am a member of the Lummi Nation. The Sacred Lands Conservancy, otherwise known as Sacred Sea, is an indigenous-led 501c3 nonprofit committed to promoting ancestral knowledge and practices for the protection and revitalization of water, culture, life, and sacred sites of the Salish Sea. Today we have with us Ellie Kinley, Julie Trimingham, and Raynell Morris, and also Shirley Bob. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and give some background on the organization Sacred Sea? We'll start with Ellie. Tomas, my English name is Ellie Kinley, and I'm from the Lummi Nation. My name is Julie Trimingham. I am of Euro-American descent, so I'm the non-tribal member of the Sacred Lands Conservancy, and I'm honored to work in support of the two Lactamish matriarchs, Tomas and Skilahela, who are joining us here today along with Shirley Bob. Skilahela Senesnet, Chaklamisan. My English name is Raynell Morris. My traditional name is Skilahela, and I'm from Lummi Nation. I have two Quetimits as my number one name, Hyaltz as my other one, Shirley Bob, and I'm from Lummi Nation. Sacred Lands Conservancy was actually um, founded by my late husband. We ran with it and then started doing business, or however that's referred to as the, the Sacred Sea. And under that, we, um, that's where the campaign to bring Skelly Chuktanut home rests, and that's where we do our work from. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself as a person? Uh, I never even looked at myself as... <laughs> I'm a cultural 
person. I work with uh, with families, uh, family, family culture coordinator. I'm a spiritual leader. I work with behavior health, and I recently started traveling with Raynell to Miami to see Scully Chatanat. When I introduced myself um, to Moss, I introduced myself as a commercial fisher. I've always been a commercial fisher. Since early in my 20s, my dad was a fisherman. There's not been a generation in my family that haven't fished. We simply switched from being subsistence fishers to commercial fishers. But in the years I've been fishing, what I noticed was the sharp decline in the fish that were available for us to catch. And what became evident was if somebody doesn't do something soon, there won't be fish for my great-grandchildren to catch. So I had to get off the deck of my boat, and I had to do whatever type of work that was needed to help protect and save the Salish Sea. We don't know if it's past the tipping point. You know, we don't know if it can be, but it's worth trying to do that. And that brought me to the work that I did with the Sovereignty Treaty Protection Office. And one of the things that we did start working on, of course, with the southern residents are in danger, the southern resident orcas. And one of the first things we started doing was working with the campaign to bring our one captive southern resident that's in Miami home. Human beings are marvelous, but this animal really stands out um, for a lot of reasons. First of all, she's the only remaining, as I understand it, the only remaining member of the group that was taken over 50 years ago. Um, it, and she survived probably in all of, for all of the animals in the least optimal situation but she's this extraordinary survivor. I think of her as uh, being truly a Zen whale. Um, she's extraordinary to be with and be around. Um, so that love of her, but of course she, for all of us really, is a symbol just as each one of the children we take care of in our own family is a symbol for the whole world in all children everywhere that we all need to be taken care of. And as a symbol of what we need to do to heal our planet, I think Toki has particular importance. And to bring her home is so important because it's a big apology to the Southern residents. We're sorry we allowed that to happen. We're sorry that we allowed them to take your daughter at the age of three and rip her away from you and take her to Miami, um, where she's been performing ever since for 50 years. And it's time that she comes home to the Salish Sea, and that's the start of our apology to them. And making a thriving Salish Sea for the Southern residents also makes it a thriving Salish Sea for us. So in helping one, we help 
help the two of us. I have a pretty diverse background, but the common thread through all of my life and my career, from my parents on, they were both in tribal leadership, and I went into policy work for affiliated tribes in Northwest Indians, did policy work at the White House, came back and did policy work for my tribe, the Lummi Nation, and continuing to protect our treaty rights and tribal sovereignty through the Sacred Lands Conservancy. And we started the work with Skelly Chaktanat, the campaign to bring her home uh, from the Sovereignty Treaty Protection Office. We were committed to her, and so we've carried on that work. And I've worked, um, sorry, I get a little emotional, with um, our late chief, Salik, my spiritual guide, cultural guide and teacher. He's passed. And I had a really uh, hard time moving forward. And I sought Shirley out to help me, to continue to guide me and teach me. And so she has, her and her family have stepped up. Uh, the owners of Skelly Chuckanut Miami Seaquarium has invited us um, three times to go do cultural, traditional prayer with her. That's brushing her off with cedar boughs, drumming to her, singing to her. And most recently was December 14th. So I'm a little bit kind of sparkly because after you do that work and spending that time with her, it's just there. You know, and every time I see her, it builds and it builds and it builds. So I, I'm so grateful to have people like our late Salik and Shirley to stand with me and help me through this because we are going to bring her home. I've always been drawn to the sea and I've always had dreams of killer whales and it's interesting to me to be at a place in life where I start to see different strands of my life come together because I've been a filmmaker and a writer and an artist. That's my background and education and I think where things started to come together was at Huichiakin, the fight for Cherry Point that was led by Lummi and I worked alongside but not for the Sovereignty and Treaty Protection Office at that time. And I think it started to open my eyes in a new way, and um, I felt something in my heart in a new way. And I think a lot of what I'm trying to do is to see how newcomers to this territory can be here in a good way. And I think it's by following Indigenous leadership and listening and learning and trying to figure out how we each can open ourselves up to this place and to the culture and spirit of this place. We heard that you had some good news recently. Can you speak to that and the endeavors of the Sacred Sea with Skali tonight? Well, we've been working for years, right? 
to bring her home. And December 13th, the folks that we partnered with, Friends of Toki, a nonprofit uh, formed by Pritam Singh, an East Coast uh, real estate developer, and Charles Vinick from the Well Sanctuary Project, put together this nonprofit with a small board, and I have a seat on the board. And through negotiating with the owners of our relative, the Dolphin Company agreed to take part in a conference of stakeholders that was held in Miami by Friends of Toki. And it was federal agency representatives, it was industry representatives, staff from the Miami Seaquarium, uh, Friends of Toki team. We hired our own uh, team of independent vets for her, another enrichment behavior um, staff for her were there and advocates from around the world and indigenous representatives. So we all gathered on the 13th in Miami and first Friends of Toki talked about the work this year, what they've done as far as medically and taking care of her. And then I spoke to tell her story, who she is, where she's from, why we call her a relative, and why it's important for reconciliation and bringing her back to her family. And just telling the guidance that we've gotten from Ancestor that we heal the Salish Sea, we heal Quithalm and Chinorcas, we heal salmon, and we heal our people. So she's part of the web of life and making it whole because it was disturbed. Bringing her home, her mother's still alive, repairs that and will help our, our community, our relatives be whole again. And what uh, Mr. Elbor from the Dolphin Company announced, they took ownership in March of 2022. So this has happened pretty quickly. He said he was speaking from his heart 100% in support if her vet team and the federal agencies agree it's time for her to go home to the Salish Sea, he would support it. And he went on a news show, Channel 10, right there in Miami and proclaimed it. So he's telling the truth. It's going to happen. We believe this. It's wonderful news for not just this small group gathered here. There have been many people that have been praying for her, have been advocating for her in one way or another. So we're just a small part of a greater whole. And so that's where the sparkles come in. Having, because that's always been the critical point. She is a corporate asset. We call her a relative. But to them, she's a corporate asset. So the owner has to agree, and he did. 
and he does. I'm very hopeful that regardless of beyond what's going to happen with Turkey, Turkey has a mission. And she is going to be the example of what can be done. And she has put this team together, not only to work for her, to work for many other animals, to work for, for uh, what we do. And in the end, regardless of something you don't like, she is going to be the example of what can be done. I just want to um, emphasize something that Raynell brought up earlier, which is part of what's remarkable about this work is that we have always stayed really true to what the chief said, and Raynell and Ellie have been so good about we always bringing that forward, always grounding the work in spirituality and grounding the work in culture and in ancestral teachings. But one thing that we did at the STPO and that we really have emphasized at Sacred Sea is reaching out to a whole host of other people. So scientists, um, a legal team, the Earth Law Center, coming up with a comprehensive plan, how she could be brought home safely and responsibly, reaching out to politicians. So as Raynell was saying, it's a whole alliance of people, but I think that's been one of the, the strengths of the work is that we've understood that we need to bring all these different ways of thinking into the work, but it's always been grounded in, in Lactamish culture and spirituality, and that's why it's been um, so wonderful to have Ellie and Raynell spearhead this effort. What does her name mean, and can you pronounce it again for the viewers? Skali Chaktanat's name actually comes from the village site where she was captured. Everybody knows it as Penn Cove on Woodby Island, but the village site there was... Skalicha. Skalicha. Lagtimish name for that. And so that's where her name comes from, that we gave her. And where does uh, Tokate come from? First, she's known by several names. First, a stage name, Lolita was given to her for her performances for years, and then they renamed her Tokatai, I think in an effort to become more identifying with who she is, but that wasn't a Lactamish name. It wasn't done in a cultural way. Um, and as Ellie said, Skelly Chaktanad is the female version of Skalicha, where she was captured. And our late chief, Salik, uh, gave both the southern resident Keller Wells that name. Can you explain Kwakwamachtin? Um, our late chief, Salik, uh, told the story that's passed on from generation to generation that Kwakwamachtin means our relatives that live under the waves and that they wear orca regalia and can come back up and join us. And that's why they, we call them relatives. Can you also explain Natsamaishwalawin with one heart and one mind 
and how this can help people come together. Well, you know how we are at Lummi. When we were working for STPO and doing the campaign and creating an event uh, together and build awareness up in Blaine on the water in the harbor, we went to our Shalangan department and they gave us the term for one heart, one mind was Netsmot. But then as we continued the work, we find there is another Lactamish name for one heart, one mind, and it's Aishwaluit. We're forever connected with Lactamish and with other tribes. It's, there's a cosmology that everything is connected and it's the web of life at the universe. You can't disrupt one thing without affecting the whole. Her being stolen disrupted the cosmology. But you heard there's hope. We can repair, restore, protect what's been done. There's always hope and opportunity and she's ready. And how does that mindset with one heart and one mind, how does that help people come together to achieve this goal? It's gonna take all of us to save the Salish Sea. Everybody's gotta do their part. And that imaginary line that goes across the border that's US and Canada is imaginary. And it's going to take the Canadians and us. And at that event, we had quite a few Canadian bands down with us who are, are all of the same. We all know it's the Salish, we need to protect the Salish Sea and we need to start doing it. So one heart and one mind, we can do it. The first time I sang to her, she didn't want to listen. She went around the tank like that, and then she came back. And I, I was singing to her, and I quit. And I says, do you want me to sing to you again? And she looks up at me. So I sang to her. And she's, when she's looking at me, she's like this. And we prayed with her and brushed her off. And I says, do you want me to sing you some more songs? And she looks at me, and I start singing. And when I start, I sang uh, Sahel, I sang Shaker, I sang uh, our, our family song, and I sang about four different songs to her. Oh, the one I sang was the uh, Haikucha, Goodbye, our, and our family. And I sang, before I sang it to her, I explained it to her. I said, this is not a goodbye, this is we're going to come back later. We're going to come back and see you again. I'm 
And she left. She understood what I was explaining to her. She knew that we would be back, and we did come back. And she, when I went back the second time to sing to her, she was just excited. She was excited to see her because she talks to her tells her about the ancestors and I just sing to her and I talk to her and I pray with her. But it, it's a really good feeling and I want to go back and be with her again and I understand how these ladies feel. She's part of us. She's part of us and it's really exciting to be there with her because she knows that somebody loves her, that people care. And that's what I get from it, you know, that I need to go back and see her again. And for reference, um, could we, do we know how long she's been in captivity? Well, she's endured so much trauma. Um, when she went to Miami at four, They'd wanted her to meet with Hugo, another Quithalmogen from the L-Pod, her pod. But they didn't know each other, right? And so they were a few years together in the tank, and he couldn't take captivity. He rammed his head over and over in the side of the cement tank and committed suicide. She witnessed all that. And the way they cared for her is just, oh, well, Hugo's gone, right? There's no grieving for her, no family, no way to console her. And she has to watch them pull a crane in, pull Hugo out by his tail, and he went to a Miami dump. That's how they cared for them. And, you know, we have said through COVID, being in isolation shelter in place for what, 90 days? We were crying, we missed family, we missed friends. It was just really difficult. Imagine over 50 years what she's endured. She has a very spiritual part of her that's keeping her going and the hope of coming home is keeping her going. And she just, Sparkles, you know, when it's, it, it just is everything in your heart when you make eye contact with her and she knows you and you can have that conversation with her. Who we are as homeless people and our relatives that have been taken away. And it is the exact same symmetry of the residential schools and how our children were taken away stripped of our land, our culture, our language. We're very oral. We don't write things down. We don't have, have a recording 
of how we carry our teachings, very much like the blackfish. That grandmother is taught, that daughter is taught her child orally, and that's how we retain. She's still trying to sing that song that the mother's singing and that the grandmother's singing. You see hope in her eyes. From the first time we got to see her a couple years ago, th there was sadness in her eyes. Now there's hope. She knows. She knows everything that's going on. And I think she knows she's coming back home to her home waters. Well, the doctor that was there when I was there, the veterinarian, he says, surely I've never seen anything like this, how, how she connected with you. And he says, I've never seen this done before. I've never seen this ever happen before with her, how she connected with you when you sang and you prayed with her, how you took care of her. It's really amazing to see something like this with her to even respond to everything I've done for her that day. Just can't wait to see her again. What do you guys think is going to happen next? I think what uh, is really critical is we carry the message to her mother to her family, to her relatives, that she's preparing herself to come home for the journey. And we're going to do that work. We have a prayer circle that we've started and we're all gathering at Wichiacan. The prayer circle's been going on for quite some time, but it's important to be surrounded with that kind of energy to deliver that message to her mother and to her family that this is the news, this is true, this is from her. Your daughter wants you to know. So we need to identify that entity, apply for our permits, negotiate with landowners, uh, start looking at reaching out because we've had interest um, from different entities that can do in-kind in kind for the netting, in kind for the transport, just all of that. But now we have something affirmative that we can go to them with instead of people don't take you real seriously when all you have is a bucket of hope. So it's um, very exciting. This is my daughter, Valley, and my daughter, Wilder. 
and we, we just came here today. We had it in our heart to uh, stand with our, our elder, our uh, mentor, our leader at uh, Love Me Nation uh, right now. And uh, we just can't thank you all enough for, for taking the time to, to be here, to raise awareness, to uh, raise funding, uh, to make sure that we're, we're on the right track with, with what needs to be done because this is not just about bringing a whale home. This is about our family. This is about healing. This is about making sure that no one's going to take our children away from us again. And we just want to, we just want to thank you. And uh, you know, you know when you're in the presence of a, a leader, uh, when you feel hope on your heart. And today we feel hopeful because of the leadership of our relative here, uh, Raynell, somebody who took the directive of our late chief, which was a directive from our ancestors, to not stop, to never stop. What you feel is on your heart that needs to be done. Do you think that all sea aquariums are the same? I do. They see them as corporate assets. You know, I don't want to take away, you know, that the employees are, have some human, you know, characteristics to them and make connections with the marine mammals. But it's not, in many cases, love. There are over 225 marine mammals at that uh, park. So the staff has quite a few uh, creatures to care for, right? So they're all on a schedule. So you can see where it's kind of this assembly line. You know, Skelly chucked a nut from one to two, two to four of the turtles, you know, and on and on and on. And when you have that kind of a mindset, you don't have a lot of time or room to develop a love connection. They're not bad people. It's just the understanding isn't there. There's so many people around the world who have been, who love Skelly Chaktanat, and they're taken by her story. Her story, her spirit is so powerful. So she's got all of this attention. And one reason I think it's so wonderful and important that this has been a Lactamish-led effort to bring her home is because it's sharing with the rest of the world that there are different ways of seeing the world where we're all family and you treat family differently and you love your family and you caretake for your family, whether it's your killer whale family or your salmon family or the, the dirt that you walk on or the water that you drink. And I think that that is so powerful. It's so powerful for those of us who are newcomers or who have lost those traditions to be able to see that there's a way to be in the world that is um, loving and life-affirming. And we, we need these teachings right now. This world needs these teachings of, of how to be here. And these, you know, Skelly Chaktanat herself and the Lactamish leaders who are bringing her home are offering us all that. So I think it's really powerful and I'm always grateful.
there are technology how it is now, there are other options too. These large whales don't have to have to be in captivity anymore. There are 3D films. There's one in Maui that you go and it's on a dome and you watch the humpback whales in 3D and I mean, it's like you're touching them. And that has as m much of an educational message as physically looking at one in a tank. It, there's so many other options now, I believe. Do you guys have a message to Indigenous youth? You're going to learn from what we did wrong, that you can stop captivity because you, you see now how it's ended up. We didn't know then what we know now. We didn't know that there was a license given you know, for a couple hundred dollars to round up Quithalmachan babies, orca babies. We didn't know that. You know, we trusted, we believed that we would be asked, but we weren't. So it took us years to find out what happened to her and where she was. And the youth are critical to evolving the protection of Mother Earth, our sacred sites, our culture, carrying that forward, and reviving our Shalangan in a beautiful way. And it's a lot to carry on your shoulders, but you have a lot of lessons you've been able to learn, observe, read about, and more to come, so you'll do better. My message would be, if you feel something is wrong, then do something about it. Follow up on your feelings because they're probably right. And don't be told you can't win the fight. We were told we couldn't win the fight against SSA Marine to protect our most ancient village site at Cherry Point. We were told it's too big of a company, we can't win it, but we did it anyway because it was the right thing to do. We did the fight and it was won. We stopped SSA Marine. So it, it doesn't matter if people tell you you can't win it and if you feel it's wrong, then just follow up on it because each generation is gonna have their own fight. There are village sites that are gonna come under attack and it's gonna be the youth that are gonna be the ones that have to say, no, you need to leave that. Do the right thing. And no pressure, but the world needs you. Like I'm speaking for the whole warming, chaotic, crazy world right now. Like the world needs you. So have faith in your ancestral teachings and walk boldly into the future and know that there are those of you, you know, there are those of us who will, who will be right behind you, will have your back, but we, we need you. Siokwe for your words, they're very powerful. And thank you for doing this to teach our youth that you can fight things and win things. 
Yes, thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom. And again, thank you for pushing this work forward and uh, bringing our relative home. Haishka. Thank you for listening to Young and Indigenous. Young and Indigenous is produced by Children of the Setting Sun Productions. We are an Indigenous-led nonprofit based in Bellingham, Washington, on the ancestral homelands of Nooksack and Lummi people. Original music by Mark Nichols, Swalkanum, Julie Lewis, Anton George, and Shanoa Agawa. Additional music credits to Keith Jefferson, Adam Lawrence, and Mark Nichols. Thank you to Shirley Bob for singing her family song, Taishka. And a huge thank you to our sponsors, the Discurrent Foundation and the Whatcom Community Foundation. This episode was brought to you by Free Borsi, Wakakia Curly Bear, and Roy Alexander. Heishka for listening. Oh, yeah.